This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Colin McComb runs a non-pay-to-play club in New York that has a direct connection to Europe. Here's how FC Malaga City NY describes their program on their about page. And I quote, FC Malaga City New York is committed to providing a non-pay-to-play environment. We believe this focuses us on quality and development. Each player we add to our program should be carefully considered because each player adds cost rather than increasing revenue. But since we don't need numbers to pay the bills, our teams are based on quality, we try to keep our rosters to lower numbers, and we can be 100% honest and transparent with players and parents. Facilities, coaches, programming, and equipment all cost money. No one is suggesting that these should be volunteered. However, FC Malaga City, New York, believes that there is a better way to pay for these costs than putting the burden on players and players' parents. End quote. You can visit 343coaching.com to find all of the programs that Colin and I discuss throughout this episode. And at the very end, Colin actually throws out his email address and you can reach out to him if you have any questions about how he actually does this. We kind of introduce the idea of how he does it, but per his request, we didn't get into the very, very nitty gritty details. So please, please, please reach out to Colin directly if you want to find out more. Uh, like I said, you can find links to Colin's Twitter, to FC Malaga City, New York's Twitter, to Beekman Wolf's uh, website, which is another program that Colin has been a part of for, I think he said, almost two decades. Uh, all of that is available on 343coaching.com. And that is also where you can learn more about 343's premium coaching membership program. It is a powerful and proven coaching education program for ambitious coaches who want to learn to coach possession-based soccer using gold standard methods. The 343 methodology is the culmination of decades of study and practice domestically and overseas. Of note are Brian Clyburn's five internships at FC Barcelona, along with lots of trial and error to hone his coaching craft. And that methodology is delivered to you in an easy-to-use online course loaded with video, audio, and ebook lessons. David Copeland-Smith, founder of Beast Mode Soccer, is in his sixth year as a 343 member. He said, and I quote, Honestly, it's worth 10 times the yearly membership. You're not investing in the drills. You are investing in your education, a proven methodology, and a phenomenal community of progressive coaches. End quote. If you want to learn the gold standard methods and start developing players and teams to their full potential, as well as developing yourself as a coach to your full potential, it makes sense for you to get access to the 343 Premium Membership Program. You can sign up and start learning today. Just visit 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. I hope that you enjoy this episode with Colin McComb. So what's up? Are you just getting home from training right now? What's uh, what, what was on the what was on the docket today? Yeah, so uh, I was down in uh, in DC yesterday, uh, meeting with uh, with Terry Ransbury. Um, 
talking about accelerator school and then uh, came up, uh, came back home, made it in time for training. It's a, it's a cold, rainy, uh, wet day here in New York. So um, we had a lot of fun in training. Actually, it was, it was, it was a great night for it. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been up to. I grabbed a little dinner and now I'm all set to talk to you. Awesome. Um, DC, is that, is that about halfway between you and Terry? Is that why you guys chose there? Or are you guys both have to be there for something else? Uh, I had to be there for something else and it is, had just happens to be about halfway between us. So uh, it was a good time to meet. Yeah. Very cool. Terry's, uh, Terry's, Terry's become a very good friend. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that you guys are, are working together. Um, curious to, curious to figure out or, or, or kind of to hear your side of, of how you guys, how you guys met and what's come of that. I don't know if you want to get into that right away. If you'd rather start somewhere else. Uh, that's fine. Um, you know, I mean, uh, three, four, three is the, the glue that binds us all together. Right. So, um, I, you know, I think I, I told you before I, I listened to the podcast when I go out for a run or whatever. And, and, uh, it was a couple of years ago, you had Terry on talking about accelerator school. Uh, and that was my first introduction. I came back to, uh, some of the folks that I work with, um, you know, up here in New York. And I said, we, we've got to do something like this. Um, but it kind of fell by the wayside in terms of projects. Um, and then that was, I think, soon after that, uh, John, you were out to do a camp in North Carolina. It's one of your first things that you did in the East Coast. Um, and I tried to make it, but we didn't we didn't couldn't make it out with schedules. But that's that was my introduction to Terry. Uh, now my son is in Spain. His son is in Spain. They're playing together. Uh, at Malaga and Terry has um, one of the uh, one of the schools open uh, open there so they're both uh, attending that school in Spain when when you said you went back to your people in New York and you said we have to do something like this what what did you mean at that time or what or what were you envisioning at that time and who who were the people that you went back to report that to well, the, the thing that resonated uh, with me the most is that, you know, as the kids come, uh, you know, into being like U13, U12, 13, and they hit modified soccer in middle school um, and then roll into high school, um, it, it it tends to undo a lot of the work um, that, that you, you set up in terms of, you know, building a culture. Uh, in an identity and a system of play. It's great that they're introduced to new coaches and new systems and things like that, but it, it really disturbs um, the cadence that you're working with the kids. Um, and what Terry was talking about was a method that would, you know, allow you to continue to work with the kids, you know, year round uh, and not have to, you know, take a break. Um, you know, from the, from the normal season. And it, it, I, I liked I like the aspect of starting with sports in the morning for the kids. Um, I like the flexibility of the school. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just, just seemed like a more logical way to, to, you know, go, go about things for 13 to 18 year olds. And how was it received when you first proposed the idea to, to your group of people? And, and I want to, I want to see if I can extract that, that from you as well as like who, who were the group of people and what was the significance 
of their role? <laughs> why, why did you have to report to them? Or so, I, I have a couple of um, I have a couple of folks involved with the club that are that are uh, school administrators here. So I, you know, I, I was just kind of it was a bit tongue in cheek at the time uh, to them, uh, saying, "Hey, you know, wh- why don't we why don't we do something like this? It would be a lot of fun." Um, the, you know, some of the reaction was, uh, you know, just from having that brick and mortar. Um, you know, traditional uh, education experience. It was is a big paradigm shift uh, for them to have, wrap their heads around. Um, other ones were receptive to it, but you know, it was a little bit too pie in the sky and um, not well enough to find. So it just kind of went on the back burner. Um, I lost track of Terry a little bit until until um, I found Malaga, and then it was was really strange. I found Malaga through Kefren uh, Fuller, um, also another connection through three, four, three. Um, and then when I found out that Terry was involved with Malaga too, it was just kind of like serendipitous. It was, it was really pretty crazy. Um, so now we're back together and I'm actually talking to him about, uh, about a school in, in New York and what we could do up here. Um, he's got, uh, the program going in, uh, Buenos Aires, as well in Malaga, um, and he's looking at a girls' program in Valencia. So, um, lots of cool things going on um, from an accelerator school standpoint. One of the one of the funniest things I, I enjoy talking to Terry about is like the why behind he does everything that he does because he's he gets himself in like the thick of things, and he gets mm-hmm. so excited and amped up, and and you know he 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 really goes above and beyond. And, and understanding why he does that is always interesting to me. So I, I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around the why behind um, what what you're doing now, getting involved with, you know, potentially opening a school or, or something in New York, potentially getting involved with something or now sending your son to Spain. Um, what, what's the what's the reason why behind some of this? So I, I've been involved with a, a very small, um, I'll call it like rec amateur club in the mid Hudson Valley of New York. It's Beekman soccer club. Um, it's, it's loosely organized, great bunch of people, uh, there, um, they have a travel program. Um, but for 18 years, I've been working with that, with that club. And I held a a variety of different roles. I I was a rec coach. I was a travel coach. I got on the board for a while. I was a travel director. Um, we're about 90 miles north of New York City, very rural, sparsely populated. It's more countryside than suburbs. Um, and uh, I, I've had a couple of teams throughout the year. I think it was like my third team cycle before I found uh, 343. Um, and you guys impacted the way that I coached. And, you know, as you heard, my, my son's off in Spain now, so you definitely have impacted my life. But the the thing that really got me, you know, you know, flying on these, on these things was that I had a group of kids that were really, really focused. Um, and the boys were saying, like, you'd, you'd ask them, you know, what do you want to do? What's your, what's your goal with soccer? Um, and they were saying, uh, I want to, I want to play professionally. Right. And, uh, I had people, parents, um, you know, you know, just people, uh, you know, around the club in the community saying, oh, there's no way you can become a professional. And, um, I didn't want to tell, you know, 11 year olds, that's not a, that's not a good goal. Look someplace else. So I started looking at my, my son was one of these kids, right? So I started looking at, well, what does it take and how do you do it? And I quickly found out that soccer is not the pathway of, uh, of, you know, the NFL where you go to, 
you know, a, a prep school and then a uh, college and play division one and you get drafted into, you know, the, the national football leagues. Um, MLS is, you know, maybe a pie in the sky dream and you kind of have to go through a DA now that didn't even exist then, but I'm, I'm, you know, a good hour and 10 minutes from the closest DA. Um, so it wasn't reasonable. Um, and, you know, becoming a pro player doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to step on the field with Tottenham or Chelsea or, um, you know, Barcelona. That's where the kids' heads were. But you could still play in a for a second, a third, a fourth division uh, club and be a pro. You know, you can make a living out of out of it, and you can, you know, evolve into coaching or whatever else you have. So I that's how I got into Kefren and just kind of uh, looking for these different pathways. Um, and uh yeah kept evolving from there you know how do i break down these barriers uh trying to pull together the right set of teammates to get them opportunities um and one of the biggest things i did was i i made a non non pay-to-play uh program here uh just so that i could i could focus the kids on that and i could focus on quality instead of having to focus on a customer relationship with with parents um you know, I, I could really focus on the quality of the program, be 100% transparent with uh, with parents and players, because uh, I I felt that you needed to change that client uh, relationship that you have if you're paying $3,500 for a program. It's so it's so interesting that you mentioned that because just last night I watched an interaction between Daniel Workman and I believe her name is Ruth Nicholson. Um, I don't know much about about her. Uh, I only, I've only seen her name pop up on Twitter a few times, but she tweeted at Daniel saying, what if you changed that relationship between the, the, the club and its customers, something along these lines, I'm paraphrasing, but instead of, Mm -hmm. instead of them, instead of the parents being customers of the club, you know, what if they were just part of the club? And it, something, something to that effect, right? But, but eliminating like that, that transactional effect of like the parents are paying for these services. Like, what would that ultimately do for a youth soccer club? And it sounds like you figure out a way to do that. And I'm curious how how has that changed the relationship between the parents and the the club itself, or the parents and the coaching staff? What are what are some of the things that that jump out at you right away when I say something like that? I, I mean, I don't know if it's exactly because I have non-pay to play, but we definitely have more of a club environment um, than I think other teams have. So may, maybe it's just the group that I have, um, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it's much more of a club atmosphere. Um, the families are close. They do things together. There's picnics at the, at, the, at the field when we play. I have a group that brings drums, uh, pops smoke sometimes at games, much to the chagrin of the uh, the other other fans. We're talking about fifteen year old games, right? You fifteen, <laughs> so um, <laughs> so um, you, you know they're all they're all kind of behind it. We we run events and we get uh, sponsorships for the events. That's how we pay for it. And the parents are a big part of volunteering in the activity behind those events. Um, uh, so they're all kind of pulling, pulling their oars to, uh, to get things done. Uh, it, I can't tell you how much it changes the dynamic as a coach or as a director though, with, with the parents, that's where you see really the, the big, um, the big change. Uh, and, and I'm not focused on numbers, right? So I don't have to just pull kids in whether they're really qualified, 
uh, or, or not, I, I can be very selective, um, which means I, because every kid I add, you know, basically takes away money, right? It, it doesn't add revenue. It takes away revenue. Um, it adds cost. So I can be very selective and that means I can have, you know, narrower rosters, people get more playing time, you know, all those dynamics that are caused by, you know, if you're getting a per head uh, fee, you know, you're incented to bring in more and more heads and it, and it causes problems. So you start managing, you know, you've got A, B and C players and you have to kind of either ignore the C's or focus on them to the chagrin of the A's, you know, all these problems I believe stem a lot from, you know, having the pay to play uh, atmosphere. It doesn't mean that you don't pay for services. It doesn't mean that you don't pay for top, uh, top coaches. We, we try to focus on having, um, uh, you know, USSF uh, B certified or UEFA B certified coaches in the, in the program you gotta, you gotta pay for those services, right? So um, facilities cost money, um, uniforms cost money. So you know, not saying skimp on those things. Uh, those things are highly valuable and they need to be paid for. Um, but it just shouldn't be on the backs of all the parents. Um, it shouldn't be an entitlement to be on, on the team. You know, it, it, that's how it changes the dynamic, I guess, in the, the, the simplest sense. It's not an entitlement to be on the team. When, when you guys switched from a pay-to-play model, I'm assuming that's what you guys were for, for quite some time until you guys made a switch to, to non-pay-to-play, um, who, who ultimately became, uh, I don't know the right way to ask this, in my head what I'm thinking is like who became the loser, like, like who, who, who was missing out on something now, like was it the club or, or the parents or something like that, like that's, I'm trying to formulate the question better I guess <laughs> in my head. Um, but uh, who 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 was on the losing end of of switching from from pay to play to not pay to play? I mean, certainly you, there's a lot less money to to go around. Um, so you, you know, the you need to be narrow and make sure that you can you can um, support what you're putting in place. Uh, and you know, you don't want to do that by cutting programming, right? So. The club remains small, um, as you know, so that you can have the right level of programming. Um, and I think that's that's the biggest thing. Like I think if I if I was having the success that I was doing now, and I was just maintain a play to play model, like I could have 10, 15 teams. Is an easy way to to ramp it up and just throw coaches at it, regardless of their certification. Um, and uh, build this aura of it's big and it's expensive, so it must be good. Um, and there's some goodness, I think, out of having 200 kids running around on the field uh, on uh, you know on any given practice. Like that's pretty neat environment. Um, so we're sacrificing that for sure. I'm in the middle of writing down another another question, but uh, it's kind of along the lines of: Have you seen an opportunity for growth that you could not take? because of the way that you want to run your club or have, have, have there been obstacles in your way? Like, have you wanted to pursue something that you, that you could not because of the way that you, you want your club to be run? I mean, yeah, for sure. You, you know, I, I, I would love to have uh, more teams. I, I, there's, there's age groups um, 
that uh, that aren't filled at our at our club. Um, I right now have an an 07 team and I have an 04 team. Um, I could there's there's no 06 team in our in our club, and I I know I could fill that. And there's there's local kids that are playing all over the place. I, I just don't um, currently. I, I'm like uh, two chess moves away from being able to fund uh, you know two or three more teams, um, and we're just going to take our time to to get there. Um, you know, so I, I could I could grow, and I think I could keep the quality up, but I, it, it can't be in front of the the, the finances. Quality's got to be paramount. And I guess where where I'm trying to get at is what what is ultimately going to to stop the 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 growth of the club in the future. Like, are, what what is the wall that you, that you're eventually going to hit that you know clubs in Europe don't hit or clubs in South America don't hit? Or have, um, have, you, have you have you thought that far ahead? No, I, I mean I am taking it one day at a time, but I don't, I don't see. I don't see a wall right now. Like, so what I'm doing right now is I'm running, I'm running local marketing events uh, that provide value to their, to this, to the sponsors that are involved. Right. So the, the real key with, um, with doing this is not to, you know, just ask for a sponsorship and yeah, we'll put a logo on our, on our Jersey or put a sign at our field. There's, there's no value in that. Like really there's no value to a, to a sponsor um you know for that that they've done it's, it's basically a, a pity donation right so you're going to get maybe a couple hundred dollars a thousand you know if you're lucky for for that and they're not the, the pizza place is not going to see any more business really you know you're going to do your party there or something like that right but we try to create um marketing events uh that we that that actually you can sell to sponsors because they're going to see real value. It's not one of the events that we do, but for example, just give you an example, it would be like running a, a music festival uh, and then selling sponsorships to the music festivals. There'll be thousands of people there. It'll be valuable to, uh, to a sponsor, right? So I, I'm doing that successfully uh, here locally. And my idea is to uh, to branch out and build a network of these events uh, nationally that feed back to the program. Um, and I'd like to find other clubs that uh, that are in, you know, metropolitan areas uh, across the country that are interested in, in working with me. Um, and we'll we'll share the proceeds. But once I have a network, then I can sell to even bigger bigger sponsors, right? So I, I don't see a limit. It's just uh, it's just going to take some time, and um, you, you know it, it needs to take organization. Um, and just take it take it as it comes. There's no rush to to grow, um, you, you know. Uh, but there's no limit either. Got it. Yeah. I guess uh, in my mind, where I was thinking is like first team, like uh, how- oh well, that's definitely a limit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely a limit. That, that's, that's so frustrating, you know. Yeah, and, um, and so that's where I was wondering if you if you had thought about that yet. Like, okay, like this is working for you know four or five, six youth teams. How how much more can this grow before we hit a wall that maybe we we can't surpass because of the way that you know things are right now. So, you know, you asked about the start of this is always about looking for pathways, right? So um, kind of 
got to that wall as my oldest team was getting into high school programs. And, you know, I'm like, what's next? You know, where, where do these guys go? And, you know, as they get into high school, it really kind of starts to pull at the fabric of the team. Um, uh, so, um, you know, that's when I found uh, Mulligan City, a uh, great program uh, that George Jeremy's running um, over in Almunia, Spain. Uh, they have a full-time uh, academy, uh, and then through Terry, they have a, they have an actual um, U.S.-based school, um, and um, it, you know that's there's there's a natural pathway, right? Like so, I can't do it in the United States. Like I looked at MPSL, um, I looked at um, you know you know just kind of the the effort model of uh, you know what what if what if we just kept the team together and started playing friendlies. Um, you know, with other teams and you, it's just so hard here that I, I thought, you know what, why not, why not affiliate with somebody in Europe that has a first team, um, and graduate kids into that Academy and they can then graduate into the senior team that that Academy is associated with. So, um, you know, CD Almeca is a, uh, Fourth a fifth division team in in Spain. Uh, they've been in existence, I think, for three years now. Um, they've been promoted the last two years in a row, hundred goals each season, um, and uh, they won their first three games this season. Uh, so it's a really cool club to kind of follow uh, for the kids here. You talk to them about promotion relegation. They're they're invested in this you know this small. Uh, team and you know Spanish men's team um, and the kids in my uh, the rec teams in in my club at four years old can kind of point to a pathway that says okay I play rec and then I can graduate to travel and then I can play uh, premier with uh, with Collins program and then if I make it I can go over to a Spanish um, you know academy and go to a U.S. school uh, and from there, I can play for a first team in Spain, right? That's it's on its way up. So that's that's how I got around that. But yeah, I saw that road lock and I was, you know, I just didn't have time. When my my son's, uh, you know, he's 13 right now, and I didn't have time to wait around for the federation to get its act together and figure out that promotion relegation was, you know, the right way to go. I had to act and find a way. Um, outside of what's available here because it's you know it's a dead end now I, I i i'm not saying that the college pathway is 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 wrong and i encourage that um but my belief and what we've said as a as a club is that's as much about academics as it is soccer like you you, you need to have excellent excellent grades if you believe that you're going to play in a division one program as much as being a good soccer player if not if not more um, and I don't think that the pathway to Europe precludes you uh, from getting into an NCAA program. I think actually it, it, in, it, it provides an incentive because most of these programs, if you look at the demographics of the program, are uh, at least, you, you know, a, a third, if not a half or more um, foreign nationals. So, you know, you would think college coaches are looking for those profiles. And if you can build a, a soccer profile for yourself that uh, that says uh, I played in Spain against uh, you know um, the, the teams that F FC Malaga um, 
City is playing against because they're not in the Spanish league. They they play against Barcelona, Real Madrid. Uh, my son is playing uh, at, uh, Man City uh, next uh, at the end of this month um, in Norwich. So you know, great experience, and you can build a, you know a college profile there. And then from a college entrance uh, experience, and you're writing your your essay. He's you know, he's living on his own as a as a 13 year old uh, in a in a foreign country, becoming fluent in Spanish, um, interacting with uh, on his team. There's 11 different nationalities. Um, you know, just from a life development standpoint, it's huge. Uh, so I, I don't think that just saying I'm pursuing a pro pathway in Europe kind of precludes you from well, that's you know, he's he's ignoring college and education. Like it, it goes hand in hand. And there's still a backup plan um, if that that pro pathway doesn't work out. A a few years ago, I had a conversation with Gary about Choco uh, Gomez, a a guy that, you know, was part of one of Brian's first teams, part of Brian's first crop of players, uh, fantastic player, went on, he was like runner up for the Herman Trophy, which is like the soccer equivalent of the Heisman Trophy Mm -hmm. in college soccer. Um, and, And, you know, didn't get drafted in the MLS draft, got picked up by an MLS team, got let go, did this, did that. Like, and for whatever reason, it just, it, the, the chips didn't fall in his favor. Right. And at the time, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, whenever this was, I can't remember exactly. Um, you know, there wasn't this like massive upswell of lower division soccer like that that is kind of new like in the last like probably two to three years i would say of like you know really professionalized lower division soccer in the united states with um Mm -hmm. with now usl and uh npsl becoming like a pretty pretty serious player pdl now becoming more of like a professionalized uh outlet like these are all pretty recent changes in my opinion but but the conversation that I, i i had with gary and i remember this very vividly is that you know would would Choco play for, uh, you know, for for basically peanuts? I think is is the way that I phrased the question to him, and he said absolutely. Like the guy just wants to play. It doesn't it doesn't matter, you know, at that point what he what he's getting paid or or where he's playing or or how much he's playing. It's like his dream was to play professional soccer, and it didn't matter at that point uh, what you know where where he did it, what jersey he was wearing. That that didn't matter. So mm-hmm. you know, fourth division, fifth division, sixth, like it didn't matter. But that didn't exist. That that opportunity didn't present itself here in the United States. But that opportunity presents itself all over the world. The rest of the world has those opportunities, and every little town and village and everywhere you go has that opportunity for these players to fulfill their dream of being a professional soccer player. A lot of times, in their own community that they that they grew up in, that they were raised in, that they that they yeah. grew up learning the game in and watching the game in, and that is you know something that we just we don't have in the United States. And so you talked about being an hour and ten minutes away from the nearest DA. And so what what came to my mind is how far away are you from the nearest professional team? Like, because uh, yeah. it's got to be even further, right? So, well, it's about the same. NYCFC would be down in that same area, and then Red Bulls is about you know two hours probably. Um, you know, but that's again still you know the thing. The thing that was really eye opening for me in that uh, John was uh, at the youth level. They have promotion relegation too at, at all levels within the youth youth system, and it's one it's one national system. So, you know, you can go on to the Dutch football app 
and look at you know eight levels down at where a youth club is. So you know we think of we think of top youth teams and like yeah, I'll use the Red Bulls as an example. I think they have a wonderful youth program, but they're entitled to be at the top. Whereas you know um, Azed and uh, and and uh, Goad Eagles and uh, you know all these clubs that you know that have U15. Uh, Utrecht, all these teams in in um, in Holland have to fight tooth and nail to stay in the top division. If they finish last, they get relegated down, and some other club, it could be an amateur club, comes up and fills their spot, even though they're tied to a professional first team. That was really eye opening for me because you'd go you go and you'd play uh, and you play in these tournaments, and people say, "Oh, I'm I'm playing against uh, you know X X Y Z team," and they think it's great because of the brand that the first team has, it doesn't mean that the, that the U 13 team is that good. They could be in the third division. It's very true. And what, what you don't realize too, is that at the youth level, you might have teams that are very, very, you know, spectacular at age 13, 14, 15. And, you know, uh, they might be promoting their players that are U 16, U 17s to the first team. So their U 16, U 17, U 18 teams might not be, the greatest youth teams because they might be already transitioning into uh you know first team football or second team football and so they might be leaving the, the youth ranks but if you look at you know where their youth teams are at from u10 u11 u12 u13 u14 like they could be ballers and then they might see like oh u15 not that great it must not be a good club that you know it, it's just kind of like a mind like a mind trick almost uh for, yeah. for, for an american to look at that be like oh yeah okay not a good club i'm, I'm over them but it's it's different, right? And, yeah, and it's and, very different. And their first team, their first team might not be in the first division, still. right? And, and and so they might be playing in the third division with a group of mostly 17, 18, 19 year olds. And the goal for that club might be to be selling those players before they hit 20, 20, 21, 22. And that might be their business model. Uh, well, uh, so I'm, I'm giving lots of plugs for my friend uh, George here in, <laughs> in Malaga, right? But, uh, you, you know, there's a fifth division team, right? Their, their goal is to make it to Tessera, the fourth division. Um, but they've signed 37 kids to professional contracts over the past four years. That's That's pretty remarkable. Right. So that's that's kind of the business model and what they're what they're able to do. And the first team, you know, it's good and it's making its way up. Um, but it's, it, you know, that, that's a high level number of contracts. It's a pretty amazing opportunity. This might so, be this might be too specific of a question. And, and feel free to tell me that 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 you can't answer it if you can't. But what what does that cost them to sign a player? Uh, what do you mean? What does it cost them? So, and I don't know that I even know, um, but I, I don't understand your question. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering like how, how much that costs the, the club per player. Like, are they able to just, you know, you know, sign contracts left and right? Like you say, they signed 37 professional contracts. Well, does that mean, you know, they're dishing out 37,000 no, 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 no. dollars? Yeah, I think you're, I think you're missing, or? you're missing, you're missing, uh, missing what I'm saying. They have a first team. Yep. Um, but their academy has signed 37 academy players to different clubs. Got it. Okay. Got outside it. of their outside of their academy, outside of their first team. Got it. Um, they've signed 37 contracts. Um, 
my son Declan's been there since August, and uh, two of the kids on his team um, uh, have gotten trials at Gattafi. I think they've had nine trials so far um, from from the group that uh, that he's involved with since August. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So I misunderstood that. My fault. Um, no, that's even more remarkable. Then is that they're that they're progressing their players on to uh to other teams and so that yeah that that is their business model then is to you know they're not they're they're not lifers there they're not intended to be lifers they're they're intended to to move on which is beautiful i think that's a beautiful business model yeah free open markets amazing <laughs> amazing concept <laughs> right right um i told you i told you 30 minutes we're at 37 right now i'm wondering how much more time you you got you can be comfortable with talking uh, as long as you'll have me. Yeah, I'm okay. good. Let's go. Let's see if we can squeeze another 10 out. Okay. Um, what do, uh, what do people need to know about your situation with Beekman soccer, your affiliation with FC Malaga city, your affiliation with CD Almunkar? I can't say it correctly. <laughs> um, uh, what, what do people need to know about that? Or, or maybe what is, what is the thing what is the biggest thing that you've learned from being exposed to this entire situation that, that you've gotten yourself involved with? I mean, I think it's just life in general is you, you think outside the box and you can find, you can find a way, you know, if, if you're, if you're standing with the, with the majority of people and uh, it, you, you know, maybe you're standing in the wrong spot, you know, <laughs> look around and see what, uh, what else can be done. Um, you know, so for me it was, okay. Um, seems like a lot to be paying $3,500 for, uh, for a program and then also get nick- nickeled and dimed, you know, cause I, we went out and tried some other programs, right? So, you know, I, it's $3,500 plus you pay for tournaments, plus you pay for uniforms. Um, you know, they don't do run any day here in the, in New York, uh, over, over the winter, we have about a four or five month period where you can't really play outside because it could be two feet of snow, um, and really cold. Uh, most of our, most of our fields are, are grass up this way. So it just doesn't, doesn't work. Um, and so the clubs just, you know, use that as an opportunity to kind of shut down and maybe they'll do some supplemental training like once a week, but really they also use it as a money-making, um, avenue to say, oh, you should sign up for this clinic and, you know, this extra activity and this, you know, foot skills, uh, thing. And, you know, next thing you know, you're doing something four days a week again, but you're paying, you know, $400 a week, uh, you know, when you add up all the different things you're doing and, um, you know, I just, it didn't seem right. Um, I, I think people should be able to make money, um, but it didn't seem like it should be made on, on just tapping into parents and, you know, asking for more and more and more from, from parents when the kids are just trying to, to follow their dreams. So, so we do year round, we play futsal, um, in the, in the winter, uh, for four months. Um, we we've, we found a way around that. We just run our teams in, indoors on on court surface, which has been wonderful. But you know, to answer your question, I think you know, just always look for, you know, is there a better is there a better way to do this? Um, and if you think outside the box, you know, usually you can find uh, you can you can find a route. Um, and I and I would like to go back to if if there's anybody out there that 
that wants help, um, you know, you know, even, even just, Hey, I'd like to do some extra fundraising. Um, I'm happy to, uh, to network with them and talk about ideas, uh, give them ideas, you know, loop them into what I'm doing, uh, whatever makes sense. Um, I think the grassroots, uh, community that, that you've created with the, with the network of people within 343 and listening to this podcast is a really, really powerful thing. We, we should do more things together and help, help each other out. Absolutely. The, the kind of, it sounded like you were, you were kind of going for like a quote, like think outside the box. And uh, if you find <laughs> yourself standing out on the side of the majority, like you probably shouldn't be standing there. And it reminded me of a quote that I read recently that it was, uh, he who jumps into the void owes no explanation to those who stand and watch. And that's kind of, you know, I feel like that kind of sums up what you and Terry are doing. Like, Hey, you know, we're going to go for it. And if you guys want to watch us, no problem. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to do what we do and, and you guys can just, you know, chill and, and go your normal route and, and see where that takes you. But don't, don't, don't try to hold us back. So, um, that, that's, that's kind of how I, I feel about you guys. And, and in a lot of ways, how I feel about three, four, three, it's like, Hey, like, you know, we'll be trailblazers. No problem. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll do whatever we got to do to, you know, to, to start the, to start the movement. But, you know, don't, don't try to hold us back. Don't try to bring us down just because it's not what you're doing. You know, feel free to stand over there and do whatever you want to do, but don't, don't hold us back. It's kind of the American way, right? I mean, that's, 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 that's what we're about as a culture. I think that's what we're supposed to be about. It's what um, we're supposed to be about for sure. And, yeah. and at, at, you know, at different points, it, it feels so un-American to be, to be, uh, or, or to do like, what has become normal here. Like it's, it's, it's become so un-American to, to be part of club soccer in America. Like, it's just so boring. It's, it's so un-American to, to buy into, um, whatever MLS is selling. Like to me, that's, that's so not, that's so not what we're about. It, it you know, it, there's no, there, there's nothing American about MLS in my opinion. That's just, you know, that's just me. And maybe that's getting a little bit too political for this podcast. You know, people don't normally hear us talk about anything too, uh, too serious, which maybe is my fault. Maybe I should talk more about that type of stuff, but, um, but you know, that's just, that's just my opinion, you know? And, and what I, what you and Terry are doing, I think is very, it is very in line with, with American values. And, and I think it's beautiful. So that's why I have Thank no you. problem giving you guys airtime. Uh, thanks a lot. Appreciate that, John. Uh, where where can people learn more about about Beekman, about FC Malaga City? Where can people keep keep tabs on on projects that you guys are going to have coming in the future? Where can they learn more? Yeah, I mean, Beekman Soccer Club is 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 a huge part of this because without their support, uh, and as you know club soccer especially town you know kind of rec rec soccer clubs and boards can be uh highly political um and these guys have been great to great to work with so they're uh they're, i think it's um soccer.com they're on facebook uh as well um you know the program that i'm running within beacon soccer uh is uh fc malaga city new york now uh we rebranded re um we're on facebook fcmcny or instagram fcmcny uh twitter we're at malaga city underscore ny um and then uh we have bsc wolves bsc wolves is our is our um 
our webpage and feel free to email me at beekmanwolves at gmail.com you did it you 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 open those gates not me (laughs) (laughs) you're a brave man so be prepared for emails and 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 i i say that you know half joking but i i also do want people to to reach out and to pick your brain And, and like you said i think that there's a very very good uh core foundation like a like a like a good group of people that have been connected for many many years and i do think it's time that they kind of start branching out and and working with each other and 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 finding out what's working in in all these different areas in the united states and seeing how they can tie together help each other at least so i I, I, I recommend you for for throwing that out there to people We'll see how many people actually listen. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. Yeah, see how many people listen to the end, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, thank you for listening to another episode of the Three Four Three Podcast. If you are interested in accelerating your development as a coach and learning more about possession-based soccer, you can visit 343coaching.com and sign up for our premium coaching membership program. That is where you will get access to video, audio, and ebook lessons that will help you reduce your trial and error time by showing you the methods that have been proven to work in the American soccer environment. So once again, if you are an ambitious coach and you want to start learning the tried and true methods that have already been proven to work in the American soccer environment, you can visit 343coaching.com to learn more about our coaching programs. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast, and we will catch you next time.